This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com. You are listening to Episode 9 of the Prospect Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 30th, the day before Halloween, the day after the most boring trade deadline that we've had in probably five or six years. There was so much hype about some big-name players and even some mid-tier players getting moved. Nothing happened. So I'm not going to stick on that for too long, starting with quarterback watch. And I need to discuss a quarterback that I haven't talked about in the last couple of weeks, Justin Herbert from Oregon. All the talk has been about Joe Burrow, and rightfully so. I mean, to play the schedule that he's played and to perform as well as he has, I think he now is deserving of first-round hype and that he's on the radar to be a first-round quarterback. Tua Tagovailoa is injured. People wanted to see how Mac Jones was going to play as Alabama starter. I think he played well against one of the bottom teams in the SEC, Arkansas, over the weekend. Jacob Eason had a good game a few weeks ago. He's got the big arm. Jalen Hurts, even though Oklahoma lost, is putting up ridiculous statistics every single week, and it's in line, if not better, than Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. And then there's Justin Herbert. Oregon 7-1. He led a last-minute drive to win that game against Washington State over the weekend. It was a workmanlike performance. It wasn't a 400-yard game. It's only 220 and change yards. High completion percentage again. I thought at times, and I'll start by kind of nitpicking, that he would leave a clean pocket, looked a little bit antsy, but also he has gotten to the point where he is very patient inside the pocket. He is not running after he doesn't like his first read. He will stand in. His drifting could be a little better, especially for his experience. But this is a quarterback that came into the season with tons of hype, maybe even first overall pick hype, and then Burrow comes up, and then Jalen Hurts really takes off right away at Oklahoma. And before his injury, Tagovailoa was at least statistically performing better than he did last year when he set a passing efficiency mark in college football history. There were a couple big throws from Justin Herbert in the game, and he does that every week. Long throws across the field from the far hash to the sideline, down the field, or just tight window throws at the intermediate level that 
are wow throws. They're NFL franchise quarterback type throws. Yes, there are some inconsistencies. There's some misses that you're kind of surprised to see because they usually come right after a really good throw. But I think it's to the point where he's flying considerably under the radar. And this is kind of a silly thing to say, but if the draft was today, would Justin Herbert be maybe the fourth, third or fourth quarterback off the board? And I think at his size, with his arm strength, his athleticism, and then to me, what's even more important than any of those things, his experience, I think he is going to check a lot of the boxes for me when I'm evaluating quarterbacks. He has over 1,100 throws already. He's probably going to end his college career with close to 1,400 throws in college. That's Baker Mayfield type in terms of the amount of throws. Right now, he's completing 68% of his passes at 8 yards per attempt with 21 touchdowns and 1 interception. In an earlier podcast, I said, can't really look at statistics for college quarterbacks anymore. But And yes, there are some bubble screens in Oregon's offense, but he makes and he attempts a handful, close to double-digit amount of difficult throws each game, and he usually connects on a lot of them. So I think Justin Herbert right now, it's crazy that he's had that type of season in Oregon 7-1. and one, And he's improved his completion percentage by almost 10 points, only one interception against Cal, Ashton Davis, who's probably going to be a top 50 pick on a pass over the middle against Cal. And he hasn't really had a bad game. Even the Auburn game where Oregon lost, I think people kind of said, oh, they lost that game. Justin Herbert didn't win it for Oregon. It was a bad game. It was not a bad game. He has not had a true stinker that we've seen in the past two years and especially last season. So doing all that and not having that letdown game that Justin Herbert kind of was being known for coming into the season, and and yet he is kind of off. I'm not going to say he's off the first round radar, but Joe Burrow is definitely ahead of him on on most people's boards. Two is there, and for people that want to – go new school and be really progressive with their offense. I don't think it's crazy to think Jalen Hurts could be ahead of him. And then Jacob Eason, who is the only quarterback that I think has a stronger arm than Justin Herbert, especially among draft-eligible quarterbacks, he could be ahead um, in some people's minds in terms of just because of the arm strength and his propensity to push the ball down the field. So Justin Herbert has improved in almost every facet of his game he's gotten better drifting in the pocket I, I thought that was actually a real true weakness of his game last year he's not outstanding in that area but he's um, gotten better he's throwing with more accuracy there's a few misses each game but more accuracy he's taking care of the football a lot better than he did and his pocket patience just waiting and scanning that's a huge very unheralded attribute or, or facet of playing the quarterback position uh, that he's gotten better in that area as well. And yet, here he is, probably the third or the fourth quarterback consensus. Oregon has USC on the road this week. Then they play Arizona and Arizona State before ending the regular season with Oregon State. So I think there's a good chance that Oregon is 11-1. and And maybe at that point, maybe before the Pac-12 title game, we're going to be talking about Justin Herbert again as a top prospect. But right now... I can't believe I'm saying this, even considering how he's improved all of his statistics and he just looked more comfortable this season than he did last year. But never thought I would say this. Justin Herbert right now 
is an underrated draft prospect. All right, shifting gears now over to big board. I want to talk about two running back prospects in a very solid class that there's Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, and DeAndre Swift. I think all three of those have a shot, probably an outside chance. Maybe Jonathan Taylor has the best chance to go in the first round. But I think this is a very good running back class, very solid from the second to fifth round that it's going to provide more evidence that, hey, you can get quality players at the running back spot on day two, on day three, even as you get deep into day three. And these two running backs, I think, are going to fall in that range and still be good NFL players. Cam Akers is the first guy I want to talk about. From Florida State, he had four touchdowns over the weekend against Syracuse. He has over 900 yards on the season, averaging 5.3 yards per attempt, which behind that Florida State offensive line that has gotten better but is still a below-average unit is really impressive. And I really like his body type. He's powerful. He's got a thick lower half, really bouncy, can make multiple cuts on a given run and make uh, multiple defenders miss. He has awesome contact balance that there's linebackers hits that he bounces off of. He can absorb a hit from a safety charging from center field and you know stay on his feet and pick up extra yards. He's not going to run 4-4 at the combine, but I think he'll be a 4-5 guy. Maybe even in the high four fives, but that really won't matter to me. The Cam Akers is really the heartbeat of that Florida State offense. Awesome vision between the tackles. He's a little smaller, but he's someone that I think third, fourth, fifth round, I think the second high end of the second round is probably the ceiling for him. But Cam Akers is going to ultimately be a running back that we're saying, look, you can get really good players on day two and on day three at the running back spot. Another player, different style, Chuba Hubbard, different conference. Chuba Hubbard from... Oklahoma State, a little bit taller than Cam Akers, leaner, not as powerful, but has violent one-cut ability that you want him in his own scheme where he can press the hole and then hit the cutback lane. He's done that a lot for Oklahoma State and that kind of that spread air raid offense under Mike Gundy. And we think under Mike Gundy of quarterback play and a lot of passing yards, but Chuba Hubbard, over 1,300 yards already at 6.4 yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns that after Justice Hill had the career that he had for the Cowboys, thought, oh, there's going to be a huge drop-off at the running back spot for Oklahoma State. There's got to be. And Chuba Hubbard has really picked up right where Justice Hill left off. He's actually been a higher-volume player than Justice Hill. Chuba Hubbard is only a redshirt sophomore, but I think if he decides to enter the draft, fourth, fifth round, unless he explodes at the combine, seems kind of in the range where he'll go. But for a team that wants that home run hitting ability, I think they'll pick Chuba Hubbard and be happy that they did in a few years down the road. All right, the last segment I want to talk about, oh, actually, before I do that, wide receiver watch, I want to highlight some individual plays that I saw over the weekend at the wide receiver spot from some of the top prospects. And I'm going to start with Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard's teammate at Oklahoma State. He had, and I wrote this in wide receiver watch, the article that is up now on cbssports.com published yesterday. He had one of the best quick screen touchdowns that you'll ever see from a wide receiver. Two defenders from Iowa State contacted him almost a split second after he caught the football, bounced off them, accelerated down the sideline, and broke two more tackles, individual tackle attempts, as he got close to the goal line to score the touchdown. He does this almost every week. He does 
something similar every week, that he's not just a, a go-route wide receiver, although they do throw him a lot of those, and he comes down with a lot of really difficult catches. You can throw him tunnel screens, bubble screens, and he will hit the long play, not just because of his speed, but because he does have good contact balance. He's not super shifty. He's not going to make you miss lat- with lateral agility, but his straight line speed, his, I think, surprising or underrated power is a great attribute and allows him to be so good as a yards after the catch wide receiver. Tylen Wallace, go check out that highlight. He had an awesome touchdown against Iowa State. Another wide receiver that made a remarkable play over the weekend, Brian Edwards from South Carolina, made an Odell Beckham-esque one-handed catch with his left hand near the pylon, near the sideline against Tennessee over the weekend. He didn't score the touchdown, but it was a back shoulder throw that was a little bit high and a little bit short. He had to leap, use all of his vertical to get his hand on the football, reeled it in with his left hand, got his feet inbounds. It was a catch of the year candidate. And Brian Edwards, every single week, eight catches for 80 yards, six catches for 90 yards, seven catches for 100 yards. He's so consistent, and he's been so consistent for the past three years at South Carolina. He's 6'3", 215 pounds. He's flashed some long speed. He had a long touchdown run earlier in the year on a short throw. But you want him as that possession wide receiver because, to me, he has the best ball skills in those contested catch situations and high-pointing the football of any draft-eligible wide receiver, at least among the best or the top prospects at the receiver spot. I will put his ball skills up against anyone in the country. Brian Edwards, check out that catch against Tennessee over the weekend. Two more that I want to highlight. LaVisca Chanel finally got back on track for Colorado against USC. And on a play to his side where there was double slants, he was the outside slant, caught the football, and then just accelerated down the field for a long touchdown. When I'm saying that, and, and he didn't make anyone miss, it was effortless for a six foot two, 220-pound wide receiver to not look like he was really pressing and to just extend the cushion from everyone as he ran down the field was really impressive. I think he's going to be a mid to high 4-4 guy at 220 pounds. He kind of has a running back body at that size, a bigger running back body, but to get back on track against USC to show that acceleration is really good for his draft stock. If he can continue this down the stretch, I think he'll kind of move back to being a consensus first-round player. He had a slow start to the season, dealt with a kind of a mysterious injury a few weeks ago, but he came back in a big way against USC, 172 yards, LaVisca Chanel, check out that long touchdown too, just to see his speed at his size. The last individual performance or play that I want to highlight, C.D. Lamb, his touchdown against Kansas State, Oklahoma's shocking loss in Manhattan. In the fourth quarter, early in the fourth, caught a quick pass and made five or six Kansas State defenders miss as he maneuvered around and across the field long touchdown run to have the size that he does he's 6162 around 200 pounds and be able to be so creative and so elusive after the catch you expect it from a sub 6 foot receiver that's maybe under 200 pounds it's really twitchy but CD Lamb just has a knack for creating yards after the catch he has great contact balance as well he can just shrug off tackle attempts and he has pretty good acceleration i think he's a player that's faster on the field than he might time at the combine but he showed that beyond the 
difficult catches near the sideline or down the field in contested catch situations. He is an elite playmaker with the ball in his hands. Long touchdown against Kansas State. And it was a play that you thought he was going to be tackled about four or five times as he went across the field and then down the field, but he didn't. C.D. Lamb, elite player, my number three wide receiver right now on my wide receiver watch. There's a lot of good wide receivers in this draft class. All right, now shifting gears, my last segment, finally getting there. Young players at the NFL level. I want to highlight one wide receiver, Auden Tate. He was my number 68 overall player, my number nine wide receiver in the 2018 draft class. And he had kind of a slow start after being a seventh-round pick by the Cincinnati Bengals last year, was on the practice squad a lot, played a little bit. He has been a one of the most solid, consistent contributors on an 0-8 Bengals team with below-average quarterbacking from Andy Dalton. He started the season somewhat hot, but cooled off right away, got benched for Ryan Finley yesterday. Auden Tate has at least three grabs in every game since week three and 50 or more yards in all but one game over that stretch. So he had 13 targets over the weekend in London. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore once A.J. Green returns, but he's made at least one, if not two, outstanding high point grabs on errant throws every game. And there was a play against the Rams in London on Sunday. It was wide open down the field. He probably would have had over 100 yards. Andy Dalton airmailed the pass by about five yards over his head. It, it To do that for Auden Tate, who's almost 6'5", he has over 33-inch arms and just has outstanding leaping ability, ball skills, um, it's tough to do. So Auden Tate was someone that I really liked, and, and to me, he was a trust-the-tape prospect that he ran 4.68 at the combine. His broad jump and his vertical weren't great. I think he seemingly gets up higher on the field than he did at the combine. He has arguably, and to me, it is the biggest catch radius of any receiver in the NFL right now. He's gone from being a seventh-round pick that was kind of, oh, if he's on the practice squad for a year or two, maybe plays a couple games, contributes a little bit, that'll be a great success. I think he has proven in this first half of the season, even with the Bengals starting 0-8 and not really producing on offense very much, that he can be and will be a number two wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, even if he's a high-end number three and you have A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and Auden Tate. I think that gives you kind of uh, some mismatches outside with the size of Green and Tate and then inside with Tyler Boyd's slipperiness as a slot receiver. So Auden Tate has really proven to be a seventh-round gem for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, that'll do it today. For me, I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening. This was the Prospect Podcast.